turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm so glad you're here tonight. This is a, I believe this is a life-changing time. Every Wednesday. We don't, uh, I don't go to a reader di- Reader's Digest to find out what to preach. I, I pray. I seek the Lord. I really do. I, I feel like we need something fresh every time we get together. Absolutely. And so let's go here to 2 Corinthians 4. Now, if you've been with us for the last seven weeks, we've been talking about growing up spiritually. How there's a similarity between natural growth and spiritual growth. You know the interesting thing? A lot of people don't even know that they are a spirit. Let alone growing up spiritually on purpose. You know, you have to go to the Bible to find out who you are and what you are. I have a newsflash. We are more than mind and mud. Did you know that? We're more than body and soul. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul's praying, he said, I pray to God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. There's a difference between your spirit and your soul. Did you know that, church? Your spirit is the part of you that gets born again when you receive Jesus. Your soul is the part of you that needs to get saved every day. You know what I mean? The renewing of your mind, the controlling of your emotions, your mind, your will, and your emotions make up your soul. That's not the part of you that became new when you got saved. The part of you that became new is the spirit man, the inward man that has a soul. And that inward man that has a soul lives in a body. Well, we're talking about that inward man growing up. It's interesting to see the similarities between physical growth and spiritual growth. The Bible talks about babyhood stage of Christianity. Right? As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The Bible talks about childhood Christianity. Paul said to adults, you know, physical adults, he said, Don't be any more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and the sight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. He's saying, listen, don't be spiritual children anymore, guys. Spiritual children are unreliable, tossed to and fro, unsteady. Can't put in certain positions because they're just not, you know, they're not ready to handle it. And then the Bible talks about spiritual manhood. And I know we'd all like to think we're all perfectly there. (laughs) But we'll find out next time pressure comes. We'll see where we're at, right? Pressure's an interesting thing. It's like a tube of toothpaste. When you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what's in comes out. Ketchup doesn't come out of toothpaste, right? (laughs) Because it's not in there. And the tests and trials of life are very interesting because it kind of shows us where we're at and what's really going on on the inside of us. If you really want to see how spiritual and how mature you are, it, it doesn't have much to do with how much you know. It has to do with how much you can endure. And I want you to understand that maturity does not happen by reason of time. Just because you've been around a long time doesn't mean you're mature. True maturity happens because you've learned to endure some stuff. Hmm? You've resisted some stuff. You've, you've actually used your faith instead of just have faith. And he goes, well, I have faith, I have faith. Are you using your faith against tests and trials and temptations to complain and worry? I mean, you know, having a rifle is different than getting it out and using it. Right. 
Well, a lot of people have faith. If they're born again, God's dealt to every born again man the measure of faith. But that doesn't mean you're using it. It doesn't mean you're developing it. Actually, growing in faith is a huge mark of growing up spiritually. Because faith is of the spirit. It's not of the mind. It's not of the feelings. It's not of the body. Faith, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, in your spirit, that God raised Christ from the dead, you're saved. So we know faith is of the heart. And as you grow in faith, you're growing up spiritually. Let's do this before we go to the scripture I just showed you. Let's go to Hebrews 11. This is where we kind of left off last time. And it'll take us into some, something else tonight that I think will change your life. I, I'm going to tell you personally how this message has uh, been working in my life. And I have to say it hasn't been working really good. But I'm changing that because I know this is a life-saving message. Hebrews 11. And let's look at verse 24. Anybody remember Mo? You all know Moses? We call him Mo. Hey, Mo. Um, this is really interesting about what happened here to Moses. I want you to notice that we're talking about growing up spiritually. He said, by faith. Paul said, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. By faith, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, when he grew up. Something happened in his life when he grew up. There's a marked difference in the Moses here and the Moses many years before this. This scripture says when Moses grew up, and we're talking about growing up spiritually, he started living more by faith than what he felt. He started living more by what God said than what the world was saying. He started living more by what God wanted than what he even wanted. This is called living by faith. See, here, here's something you need to know, church. Faith is not just something you use when you're in trouble. Right. You need to be developing your faith every day. We all need to be developing our faith every day in how we live, how we think, how we resist sin, how we overcome sickness, disease, little things, big things. So that you're like David. When Goliath does appear, you know, a giant way bigger than you, way more skilled than you, you've already got some lions and bears under your belt. David killed the lion, killed the bear when it came after his sheep with his bare hands. And he, and he said, this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different than the lion and the bear. Right. And King Saul said, go for it. The Lord be with you. <laughs> and David didn't. Saul tried to put his armor on David. And David said, I haven't proved this. He took all the armor off, got his sling, got his five smooth stones, ran toward the giant, threw one, hit him right in the forehead like a gunshot. And the giant fell to the earth. And Israel won a great victory that day. That's pretty cool. He had an attitude. Did you, did you ever notice these people that get miracles in the Bible? They're a little different. They think a little different. They talk a little different. They act a little different. Do you ever notice you read through the New Testament, even the Old Testament? People that got miracles in Jesus' day, they weren't quiet and they weren't normal. As far as the world's concerned. As far as heaven is concerned, totally normal. To believe God in a weird world, you know, where doubt and unbelief is everywhere. But here, Moses grew up. Now notice, this is a sign of spiritual maturity. He grew up and he started living by faith. And one of the things he did is he refused any longer to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now that is a royal position. 
That is a very famous position. That's a very wealthy position. Actually, Moses, if he would have stayed as Pharaoh's daughter and not left, he could have been the next Pharaoh. And he could have delivered Israel Pharaoh's way. But that is not how God wanted to do it. That, that, was, that would have been getting out of the plan of God. That had been letting the devil mess with your brain, saying, oh, this is how it's going to work. You're going to be the next Pharaoh, and then you're going to let the people of Israel go. The devil always has these weird counterfeits for the perfect will of God for your life. I mean, he even came to Jesus. The devil came to Jesus and said, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. If you're the son of God, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, tell you what, tell you what, Jesus. You want the world? You came to save the world. Tell you what, I'll give it all to you. Just bow down and worship me. Well, devil, I'm going to get the world, but I'm not going to get it your way. I'm going to get it my father's way. I mean, wasn't the devil offering him? And see, because Adam gave the world to the devil. Adam gave it. He gave him the authority of it. He committed high treason in the Garden of Eden. And basically the devil came in. That's why the New Testament says Satan is the God of this world. Jesus said, the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. Talking about Satan. And so he offers Jesus the entire world and says, all these kingdoms and all the glory of them, I'll give it to you because it's been delivered to me. In other words, Adam gave this to me. Jesus, I'll give it to you. But there's one stipulation. Bow down and worship me, son of God. What did Jesus say? Now, this was a temptation. It wouldn't have been a temptation if the devil didn't have that to give. He, there's people selling their soul all over this planet. Have been doing it for thousands of years. Compromising because the enemy promises them something really big and sparkly. Moses grew up to the point where he realized, you know what? This is not how God wants to deliver his people. He's got a different plan. And look what it said. It said, Moses grew up and he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you realize what he was giving up here? People are dying to get these kind of things in life today. Even some believers just totally getting out of the will of God, wanting things so bad that they're not even thinking, is it the will of God? And so next verse, these are all signs of spiritual manhood. Moses made different choices when he grew up. You know, when you're a child, you make choices. It's about me. It's about me, what I feel, what I want, what I feel. When you start growing up, you start making different choices. You're you're more concerned about what God wants than what even you want. You actually start praying like Jesus, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Even Jesus' will was pulled. How many know being tempted? Let me put it this way. Being, Being tempted doesn't mean you sinned. No, no, not at all. You understand that? Feeling a pull that's ungodly. Having a thought, a desire trying to come on you that you know is is wrong. That's not sin. Because if it was, Jesus sinned because he was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. So don't ever let the devil tell you just because you felt an impression or felt a wrong desire or had a wrong thought that you've already sinned. No, that's called being tempted to sin. Right. Yielding is the problem. Not feeling, not hearing, not sensing. Yielding, going a direction you know you're not supposed to go. That's when you're going to have to start thinking about repenting. Make sense? Say this, being tempted is not a sin. Yielding to temptation is, but being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. He was led of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He didn't, but he never sinned. 
He was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin, the Bible says. And I want to say that to you because a lot of people think they've already blown it just because they had weird feelings. And if you think you already blew it, you're probably going to go, oh, well, I might as well just go through with it and get forgiveness later. That's, that's a lie of the enemy. Just because you felt something wrong, just because you sensed something wrong, doesn't mean you blew it. Amen. You just need to stand up and say, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. I believe God's way is the best way, and I'm going to make better choices. Look, he said choosing rather. Now, this is amazing. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction. We lost half of the people right there. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. What's all this a sign of? Somebody grew up. You start to rise up above and go, that's, that's a lie of the enemy. Hmm? Everybody say pleasures of sin for a season. Next verse. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Why? For he had respect. This is what happens when you grow up. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Next verse. By faith, Moses forsook, we could say, the world. Now, now we're not saying you don't work in the world. You do good. You, many, many, most people are called to work in the world who are called to do things for God. But he's talking about worldly things, worldly ways of thinking, worldly Attitudes, things that we know lead to sin and destruction. Moses forsook Egypt and all the pleasures of sin, not fearing the wrath of the king, because Moses endured. Everybody say endured. endured. As seeing him who is invisible. One of, the, uh, one of the characteristics of a spiritual adult is the ability to see God at work. Not everybody is seeing God at work in certain situations because they say, well, that couldn't be God. That couldn't be God. I mean, God doesn't... Moses realized, even though I'm going to suffer affliction with the people of God, it is the will of God. People think, well, if it ever gets hard, it's not the Lord. Uh, Newsflash, Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Actually, the Bible says all that live godly in Christ are going to suffer persecution. Here's a scripture your flesh may not like, and I never liked it for a long time. In the book of Psalms, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. How many would rather be with the Lord, maybe experience some tough times in this process called growing up, and get delivered out of all of them, than to not be with the Lord, and maybe one of them knock you out and do you in? Now, you'd rather have guaranteed victory no matter what comes your way than wondering if this one's going to knock me out because I'm not living for God. So these are all signs of growing up. You should study those out later. We went through them quite extensively. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 13. I want to talk to you about the spirit of faith. Because growing in faith has a lot to do with growing up spiritually. Growing in love has a lot to do with growing up spiritually. And remember I just said a few minutes ago, I said that uh, maturity doesn't happen by reason of time. It actually happens by reason of suffering. Not one amen. <laughs> Not one amen. Preach it, pastor. No, nobody wants to hear about suffering, but you know what? There is a suffering that we're not supposed to run away from. 
Thank God we're redeemed from sickness and disease. Thank God we're redeemed from poverty and fear and lack. We can resist those things and claim victory over them. But there's some suffering we're not supposed to resist or run away from. We're supposed to endure it and grow up. Let me tell you one of them. You ready? One of them is walking in love when you feel like slapping somebody because they just lied about you and your mom and your kids and how many know not slapping means you're walking in love? I'm not talking about self-defense or anything like that. Somebody comes at you, defend yourself. I'm talking about words and, you know, th- well, I can't believe they said that about me. Grow up. Right. They said a lot more about Jesus than he made it. And they did a lot more to him. Now, I'm not saying tell somebody to grow up if they're really going through a battle. I did that one time, and they left the church, and I was immature back then. And They're in my office, and they were saying this, and that. I, go, I, said, I said, man, I said, there's a guy. I said, hey, just grow up. And he didn't like that real well. <laughs> and I've learned to be a lot nicer since then. That was like 20 years ago. Um, but left the church. And I thought, man, he really needs to grow up. <laughs> but the Lord corrected me and said, no, there's a better way to say it. Or there's a, you can say the same words maybe, but you can say them with a different tone. You've got to watch out about saying things when you're angry or when you're upset. Sometimes it's good to hold your mouth and say, I'll pray for you and get back with you on that. But growing up spiritually has a lot to do with growing in faith. So I want to talk to you about some things about faith just for a few minutes here and then we'll close. But I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I said verse 13. We'll read that, Tina. And then we're going to go back to some previous verses. So if you look, please, at... Verse 13, Paul's actually quoting an Old Testament scripture that King David said in Psalm 116. So Paul in the New Testament is looking back a few hundred years and saying, well, we have the same spirit of faith. And what he's talking about here is David's faith. And anybody in the Old Testament who did great things for the Lord. Notice we have the same, everybody say spirit of faith. Church, listen, I... I am so thankful for the teachings that I've been hearing on faith since I've been born again for the last 32 years. Teachings about faith, how to have faith in God, how to use your faith, how to develop your faith, how to protect your faith. Not just some passive belief, oh, I believe in the Lord. I'm talking about using your faith and seeing miracles in your life. Latching on to the Word of God like a bulldog and not letting go. Understanding what hurts your faith, what helps your faith. I am so for teachings on faith. And I'll tell you, not only that, I, there's principles of faith that are amazing. will save your life. But teachings and principles alone are not what this verse is talking about. This is talking about an attitude. I would say attitude. See, attitude, I looked up the word attitude, and it means a disposition on the inside. A place that you're set. It actually means... Um, it actually means to be antagonistic and uncontrolled by something. How many know doubt is going to try to control you? Fear is going to try to pull you down a certain road. An attitude means you're just absolutely antagonistic and uncontrolled by that thing. You're set. Attitude means there's something on the inside of you set. Do you know what that needs to be? It needs to be set in faith in what God said. Right. Okay. 
We are set. You couldn't budge me. No matter how big the storm gets or how hot the fire gets, you cannot move me off the fact that I believe God and it'll be even as it was told me. Isn't that what Paul said on the ship? Paul said, wherefore, sirs, right in the middle of a storm that was going to kill them all. Waves flying, probably one hit his face while he was saying it. Sailors are freaking out. Strong Romans are freaking out. I think they're all going to die. Sun, moon, stars hasn't shown in many days. Great tempests lay upon them. All hope they should be saved was lost. They were going to die in the ocean. And Paul comes up as a prisoner from the bottom of the boat and says, Hey, everybody, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Now, that's different. That's a, little, that's a little different. When you start living by faith, you're going to be an oddity to those who don't know about faith. But you're going to be a star in heaven. So Paul said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe, God, that it will be even as it was told me. Paul heard from the Lord. He had to go to Caesar. He knew he couldn't die in the ocean. Now, this scripture says we have the same spirit of faith as King David, Moses, Joshua, Ruth, Esther. Name any Old Testament saint or New Testament person that got a miracle. We have the same spirit. Say, we have the same spirit of faith. Now, what I want to get you to see tonight is that that spirit of faith can be developed to a higher level. And you can be using it more in everyday life. Actually, as I was studying these things about the spirit of faith, I got a few scriptures I'm going to read you out of the, the Living Bible. I'm realizing that a lot of people are just an attitude adjustment away from everything in their life changing for the better. If they could just maintain a faith attitude for one week, easier said than done, I know. I've been endeavoring to do this now for a couple weeks. And I haven't even made it through a day yet. (laughs) I feel like waves have been coming against our face. But you know what? The Lord's merciful. He'll forgive you. But the Lord's telling me, he says, son, you know, you know, you know how you judged Israel, you know, in the wilderness? I said, Lord, I didn't judge Israel. He said, yeah, you did. They don't have to be alive for you to judge them. How many of you have ever judged Israel in their wilderness in the desert? I can't believe, man, they saw miracle after miracle. They saw sign after sign. And they're still griping and grumbling and complaining. What's that called? It's called judging Israel. And the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. Right? So we're judging Israel. I can't believe, man, they saw the Red Sea part. They saw the cloud by day and the fire by night. Man, they saw all these miracles. Manna flown in first class by God, right? I mean, fall down. Quail. All these amazing miracles. And still, nine times, ten times, still doubting, coming against God's leaders, just spewing out all kinds of unbelief and murmuring. And God told me, he said, son, you know what? He didn't tell me audibly, just in my heart like he talks to you. He said, if they would have just made an attitude adjustment and gone from murmuring to thanking me for what I have been doing for them and how I'm not going to let them die in the wilderness. I said, we're going to the promise. And you're not going to die in the wilderness. But they just couldn't. Their unbelief destroyed them. Well, I wonder how many of us in this room tonight are just an attitude adjustment away from a miracle of all miracles, a breakthrough in our finances, powerful victory in marriage, you know, something in your body changing that needs to get right. How many of us are just an attitude adjustment away? So here's what I want to ask you. What, what's, what's set on the inside of you? What, where are you at on the inside when something creeps up on you, 
on a Tuesday morning, slaps you upside the face and says, you're in trouble. You got more bills than you thought. What's that pain in your body? The growth got bigger. The marriage, the children, the work situation. Because if you really want to see what your attitude is like, remember how you looked and how you sounded last time a major challenge came your way. You know, you can't fix a problem until you identify the problem. And some of the problems we're talking about tonight are hidden problems. You'll see them at times, like I said, when things don't go right. When problems come against you. You're going to see, you really, you really see where your faith is at when you're challenged and, and tested and a trial comes your way and things don't go right. and You kind of really see where you're at. And don't, don't be condemned if you're not where you wished you were. Just accept the fact that you're not maybe where you thought you were. But with God's help, I'm going to develop and I'm going to get higher. See, tests do two things. Tests and trials, when the enemy hits you, when the devil attacks, when problems come, when crazy people do stuff, two things can happen. Number one, you can die. <laughs> or number two, you can grow. And I don't mean necessarily die physically. But, and, and the, whole, the whole issue in what happens in your life is what's your response to that? What's your response to the trial? What's your response to the challenge and the test? Because you can respond any way you want. I think one of the best examples, we studied this in our Sunday night Bible study about Paul and Silas. When they were thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, their backs were bleeding. They were in the innermost prison. That's called the sewer part of the prison. They're thrust into the innermost prison for preaching the gospel. Backs bleeding, infection setting, and I'm sure. And they get in prison, and it says they're in the innermost prison. They have extra guards around them so they can't escape. And the Bible says at midnight. Everybody say midnight. Now, it was literally midnight when Paul and Silas did what I'm about to tell you. But I believe this is talking about any midnight hour of your life. Here's instructions how to get a miracle. Ready? Number one, in the midnight hour of your life, if you want to see a miracle, number one, don't do what you feel like doing. Come on, what would you feel like doing if you're in the innermost prison for doing a good deed? You know, they just cast the devil out of this girl who was possessed of some spirit of divination, set the girl totally free. You think everybody in town would be happy. But all the businessmen who are making money off her divination were not happy. And so they threw him in a prison after they beat him up, bleeding. And so how many of you would feel like in, in prison, back's bleeding, you're in there for an unjust, uh, uh, you, you didn't do anything wrong. How many of you would feel like going, let's sing a song. Let's, let's, let's praise God so loud all the prisoners hear us. No, the reason Paul and Silas got delivered that day is because they didn't do what they felt like doing. We got to get out of it. Moses, when he grew up, he realized, I can't just do everything I feel like doing. If I'm going to do what I feel like doing, I'm going to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm going to choose Egypt. I'm going to choose the pleasures. I'm... But see, he grew up. He grew up and realized, I am not a body-ruled person anymore. Feeling-ruled, emotion-ruled. Those things are fine in their places and these little things in the natural. But when it comes to 
going against the word of God and saying you're not going to be free and you're never going to make it. We need to rise up and go, ha, ha, ha. What do you mean I'm never going to be free? You trying to tell me my father doesn't love me? You trying to tell me he lied to me? Said he's going to deliver me, that he's not going to deliver me? We need to get an attitude about it. We need to get an attitude. Like David, he had an attitude about running at Goliath. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of God? This is a teenager. Really good looking teenager. Probably like Lord of the Rings guy or something. He, he, he's, he's just go. he's like, he, all these soldiers, Saul, he's like head and shoulders above every man. He's a big guy. All, the, all these, they're afraid because Goliath says, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to do all this. And he, he's really big. And Saul's hiding out with all the soldiers. And David, a teenager, comes on the scene because he's got cheese and crackers for his brothers. Says, what's going on here? And what, is, what do you mean what's going on? This Philistine right here, he's mean, he's bad, we're scared. Soldiers, trained soldiers. A little teenage shepherd boy come to bring lunch to his brothers. Said, well, what's going on? They said, well, King Saul said, whoever kills this giant uh, is going to be very rich. And King's going to give him his daughter in marriage and everything's going to be great for this guy. And he goes, Really? Well, even beyond all that, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, Goliath, who's defying the armies of the living God? And David said, I'll take his head off his shoulders. I'll feed his carcass to the fowls of the air. And they said, well, we better tell the king what you're saying here. So they went and told Saul. And Saul goes, who is this guy? Oh, he's the son of Jesse. Wow, really, bring him into me. And he said, son, do you know that this guy's been a warrior from his youth? And you're just a youth? And he's like... Three times your size. He goes, I don't care. He goes, he's defying the army. He had an attitude. Do you see the spirit of faith there? Because Paul said, we have the same spirit of faith. What's the spirit of faith? Spirit of faith is, you don't mess with me and my faith in God. If God said it, I believe it and that settles it. That attitude has to be a part of you. You can't just look for that attitude when a challenge comes. You need to be living that. David already had this attitude before Goliath came on the scene. You know, scurrying around at the last minute when all these things are aimed at you and coming again. You can't just scrape up faith when you need it. You better already have it. You better already be used to using it. Lion, the bear, Goliath will be nothing. The Lord will do the same thing against Goliath. He did for the lion and the bear. When they tried to get my little lambs. So read, read this out of a couple different translations. The King James says, uh, We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. Here it is. You ready? Here's the spirit of faith. I believe. Therefore I have spoken. We also believe. And therefore we speak. You got to release your faith. God released his faith in saying, let there be light. And light came on the scene. 186,000 miles a second hasn't stopped yet. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Our father's highly developed in these things. As, more, as developed as you could ever be. He speaks and lights and planets are created. Hmm? Are you his child? How many think your words have a degree of power? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Well, we don't have to wonder. Jesus spoke to a tree. And said to the fig tree, because there was supposed to be figs and there wasn't, he says, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. He spoke. I mean, say he spoke. And we know he also believed because a few verses later it says, they came by the tree the next morning and the tree Jesus spoke to was dried up from the roots. And Peter was like, whoa, Lord, the, the fig tree you cursed is withered away. And Jesus said, you know what? 
children of God? Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. You don't doubt in your heart. You believe that those things which you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say, including a mountain moving into the sea. I believe that's literal as can be. I don't believe we'll ever need to move a mountain in this life. That's the power of the world to come. In the next life, we may want to shift a few things. We'll see. Lord, let us play around with this planet or whatever. But isn't it good to know you have that kind of power if you did need it? Now, I like this, church. If you can move a literal mountain, which we'll never need to do that in this life that I know of. Did you, how many think you could move a tumor? It's made out of the same stuff as a mountain, you know. This is actually dirt. Mountains are dirt. I believe Jesus was saying, hey, you're children of God. You got some power. Jesus was constantly trying to lift his disciples' vision up through his whole ministry, saying, you guys, where's your faith? You should, been, you should have done this. Where's your faith? Storm, why'd you wake me up, Peter? You could, he wouldn't have rebuked them if they couldn't have done something about it. He was constantly trying to tell them, listen, guys. I know the fall of Adam messed up your perception of yourselves and all this, but I am here to restore that. You are children of God. I'm lifting you back up to a place of power. You don't have to let the enemy beat you up all your life and get to heaven all beat up. You can go to heaven with victory. He was constantly trying to tell his disciples. Now notice, if you got the spirit of faith, you're going to believe something, you're going to say something. Let me read this out of the New Life Version. Are you ready for this? Okay, (laughs) I'll pause until you're ready. The New Life Version, Paul said we are... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I want you to back up to verse 8 and 9. This is the ones... This is the two scriptures. This is just before Paul said we have the same spirit of faith. I believe he's telling us here about his own personal spirit of faith when problems came against him. This is a spirit of faith. You ready? We're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. You like that, brother? We're troubled on every side, but not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Well, he's talking about the thing he talked about a few verses later. Next verse. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Because, you know, a lot of times when you're persecuted, you think, nobody loves me. And the, the, the interesting thing is, a lot of times, you'll be persecuted by people you thought did love you. And then it says, we're cast down. But we're not destroyed. That's the spirit of faith. But that's not how most people talk today. They go, I'm persecuted. (laughs) I'll quit the ministry. (laughs) That's not the spirit of faith. No. Oh, we've been forsaken. They left us. I guess we'll just quit. That's not the spirit of faith. Huh? Man, we've been knocked down. I'm just no good. I always mess up. That's not the spirit of faith. What's the spirit of faith? I was knocked down, but I'm getting back up. I'm forsaken, but I got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I may have this pain in my body, but by his stripes I was healed. Now look at listen to a couple other translations. The New Life Version says this. Paul said, We're pressed on every side, but we still have room to move. (laughs) We're often listen to this. We're often in much trouble, but we never give up. It's an attitude. Paul said, people make it hard for us, 
But we're not left alone. We are knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Let me read you another, tra- the, today's, the, the Passion Translation, today's Passion Translation. Same verse, Paul said, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. Right. Did you hear that, church? You under pressure tonight? Is the pressure getting to you? Is the problems of life getting to you? Stir up your spirit of faith and say, you know what? It's tough right now, but it ain't tougher than Jesus. And Jesus is in me and I'm in him. And we're getting through this. And this problem is temporary. It may feel like it's going to be here forever, but that's a lie because all these problems are temporal. You just got to start saying, but. How are you feeling? Not well, but God didn't lie. Christ redeemed me from this dumb disease. I'm receiving my healing and I believe it's working. Or if you're taking medicine, I believe the medicine's working because God's working through the medicine. And it's working better than man ever made it to work. Got to have this spirit of faith. Financially, you got to have a spirit of faith. If things haven't been going well, week after week, month after month, year after year, what should you do? Children of God, what should you do? Well, you may need to acknowledge the problem. Say, yeah, I got some bills, got some extra bills. Been laid on some things, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. But my God is supplying all my need. And we're talking about maintaining that. Let me me say this. Let's don't talk about doing this. Let's talk about being this. Hmm? Because a lot of times we think, well, everything's going to be fixed just because we do something. Some of these things, you have to be this way. This has to be the way you are. Nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, right? Two in the morning when you wake up and get a glass of water. You have to be this kind of person. It's got to be in your heart. Spirit of faith, that's on the inside. You know, we've emphasized a lot in the church that faith without action is dead. But did you know action without faith ain't getting you anywhere either? Hmm? You can act like you're in faith and on the inside you're still thinking like a defeated person. You may have us fooled, or even yourself for a degree, but you have to be this way on the inside. You gotta be given, you have to spend enough time with the Lord to where you got an attitude about some things. You're just flat out not gonna put up with what Christ redeems you from. You're just flat out not gonna put up with the lies of the devil anymore. You have to get an attitude about it. You gotta resist the devil. You gotta rebuke some things and believe it worked, even though it didn't feel like it did. And stand your ground and say, you know what, I'm prepared to stand forever. And if you're prepared to stand forever, it won't take as long. It's when we wishy-washy and vacillate. We kind of delay our own manifestations of victory because we're in faith for five minutes and not in faith. And then we're back in faith. And we're... How about we just be people of, you know what, I believe God. That it's going to be even as it was told me. My prayers are going to be answered because I didn't pray just something that I didn't know was the will of God. I know it's the will of God that I get through this thing. I found scriptures. I've been hanging out with the Lord. I know this is how I've... This is probably how I've gotten quicker results than anything when it comes to seeing healing in my body, when a sickness attacked me or even some other areas, um, uh, soul attacks or whatever, anxiety, depression. I have got quickest results in seeing help from God show up in my life when I didn't just ask God for what I needed, but when I rebuked the problem in Jesus' name. I've seen supernatural results. Quicker, 
almost than anything else I can remember. Except one time I prayed for Carla when something, uh, some weird pain hit her leg and Candy was rushing her to the emergency room and that service was about ready to start and I said, God, I prayed this time. We did rebuke the pain. So I know, we almost always do that. If it's something we know is not God's will, we don't just ask God to take it away. We rebuke the dumb thing and thank God for healing. Amen. And she was on her way to the hospital right from this church going through the parking lot. And I, I remember I said, God, you are her father. And you're an excellent father. And good fathers heal their daughters quick. Good fathers take their pain away quick. And I said, God, this is in your hands. I'm going out here to preach. I mean, part of me said, I need to go with her to the hospital. I need to go with Candace. Well, I don't know how far you guys got that day. Do you remember? Of the hospital? And the pain left before you even went in, turned around, came right back, and joined the service. So that happened really quick that time, too. That, that's, that's a blessing. But, you know, you've got to get serious with the Lord. And sometimes you've got to get serious with the problem. Right. You know that Jesus is our example. And he said, the works I do shall you do also in greater works than these. Do you know one time Jesus came up to Peter's mother uh, yeah, Peter's mother-in-law was laid of a sick fever. Actually, Luke said she was delirious, and Luke was a physician, so she was totally out of it. Very serious condition. Jesus stood over that body and rebuked the fever. And the fever left her. And she arose and ministered to Jesus and his crusade team. Jesus, one time, was on a boat, sleeping on a pillow. Pillows are scriptural. So if you got a pillow, Phil, you're okay. You're not fleshing out. It's okay. He's asleep on a pillow. Must have been a really big pillow. And the disciples are rowing the boat, you know, because Jesus said, we got to go to the other side. So they're in the perfect will of God, and a storm about kills them. Interesting. They're in the perfect will of God, and a big problem rises up. How I many know big problems do not mean you're out of the will of God? It may mean you're in the center of his will. And the devil's just trying to stop you from getting to the other side of something the Lord told you to do or go. And so they're in the middle of the storm. Waves are coming in the boat. Luke said they're in jeopardy. These are strong seasoned fishermen. They're scared. They wake up the Lord. Don't you care that we're perishing? Jesus wakes up. He stands up on the boat and he speaks to the wind. Who does? Your example. He speaks to the wind and the waves and says, peace, be still. And there was a great calm. And the Bible says immediately they were at the other side. That was, a, that was a horizontal rapture. It was a translation of the whole boat and everybody. It says immediately they were at the other side. So the storm ceased and they were translated. That's a, that's a powerful miracle. And then the Lord said to the disciples, Where's your faith? Wow, let me see. What do I do with my faith? <laughs> Look here. Where's your attitude? Come on, where's your attitude? Now, listen to this translation. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. Right. Mm. Have you ever been in a time in your life you don't know what to do? But what's our spirit of faith? But quitting, not even an option. But you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. Things are so bad. Things are terrible. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You don't you know, quitting is not an option. And neither is going hysterical. Right. Right. And pulling our hair. But we don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat was in a similar situation. We talked about that on Sunday night. Jehoshaphat was against the biggest army of his life. They were going to die if the Lord didn't intervene. And Jehoshaphat got all the little ones and all Israel together and said, we're going to fast, we're going to pray. And they said, Lord, 
Lord, looks like we're going to die. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And as they were praying and seeking the Lord, a prophet rose up and said, don't worry about a thing. The battle is the Lord's and the, vic- the, battle is the, Lord's and the victory is yours. So they just thought, well, if the battle is the Lord's and the victory is ours, and let's don't even send the soldiers out. Let's just start praising God. They started praising the Lord and saying, He is good. His mercy endures forever. And while they were praising the Lord, this whole host of enemies, God sent ambushments. And they started, for some reason, getting aggravated with each other. And they started killing each other. And they all died. Well, Israel was praising the Lord. It took them three days to gather all the gold and the spoils, brought it back to Israel. Dead bodies everywhere. Didn't have to lift a finger. They just praised the Lord. Let me put it this way. They did what they didn't feel like doing. Come on, come back to, come back to Paul and Silas in jail. Remember they're in jail? Remember they're in jail? What, what, backs bleeding? Feet fast in stocks? Right? Probably going to die any time now from all the infections? Well... It said, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. But nothing happened. A lot of people have prayed. No miracle happened. They prayed. People have prayed. Prayed, 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 prayed. No miracle, prayed. Why is there no miracle? Because that's not all they did. It said, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. And the prisoners heard them. And while they were praising, a miracle happened. It didn't happen while they were praying. Prayer's unfinished without thanksgiving. They started praising God that he heard their prayer. They were singing. The prisoners heard them. There was a great earthquake. Everyone's bands were loosed. All the prison doors flew open. So not only Paul and Silas got delivered, everybody else in the jail got delivered because somebody had the right attitude. I really believe fighting the good fight of faith is primarily maintaining an I believe God attitude under all circumstances. Easy to say in church, easy to shout amen to, but how about we slow down a little bit and next time a problem or a crisis or something comes your way that you wish didn't come your way, how about we just stop and go, wait a second. God can't work with a sour attitude. God can't work with a doubt-filled, fearful attitude. God can't work with complaining and murmuring. The enemy can, but God can't. Now, do you realize our words and our attitudes are attracting spiritual forces or repelling spiritual forces? I thought it was so interesting in 1 Corinthians 10 and all these things in, in Israel... All these wanderings in the wilderness from Egypt, trying to get to the promised land, the 40 years and all that. The Bible says all that was done as examples for us upon whom the ends of the world are come. Think about that. So, should we read the Old Testament? You better read the Old Testament if they're examples for us upon whom the ends of the world shall come. Man, they, they wandered for 40 years. And it comes down to this. Their attitude was off. And it's so interesting, it said that it said that those that were living lives of fornication, they were destroyed. Gave the enemy access. It wasn't the will of God. They just opened the door and they're going to keep inviting something. 
God will protect them as long as he can. And they were destroyed. But you know what? The same passage says that the murmurers were destroyed the same way. I can't believe those fornicators. Can you believe those fornicators? Man, can you, they're, they're going to be destroyed. I told you they're destroyed. Can't believe. And then, oh, what about the, 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 I don't know about that. I'm just, they start murmuring about this. Murmurers got the same destruction yeah. as the fornicators and the idolaters. <laughs> so before we go pointing our finger at other people's sin, we need to make sure we're not qualifying for some things like murmuring. Murmuring is actually, it opened the door to the destroyer. When God says don't murmur, it's not just because he's God and we're his puppets. When God says don't murmur, he loves us. He doesn't want us giving access to anything that will hurt us. But just like murmuring may open the door to bad things, praising God, a spirit of faith, gives the angels a right to do more for you. It gives God a right to do more for you. It opens the door. Because see, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He's not just going to barge in and bless you if, you if you don't open the door. He's a gentleman. He's kind. He's not a violator of free will. And we understand that in the natural, right? I mean, if I want to come to Brian and Micah's house with a $100 bill, I don't just come at 3 in the morning, break the door down, and say I'm laid on, because I respect their life. Well, the Lord respects us. You've got to open the door. Faith opens the door. Gives God a lot of opportunity to work. All right, I've got to close, because it's 8, but let, me, let me read this last scripture to you. It says in the New Century Version, we have troubles all around us, but we're not defeated. We do not know what to do, but we do not give up hope of living. We are persecuted, but God does not leave us. We're hurt sometimes, but we're not destroyed. Message translation says we've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're, sure, we're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized. God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. The Good News Translation says, And though badly hurt at times, we're not destroyed. So, let me say this in closing. Is your attitude following your circumstances? Or are your circumstances following your attitude? Because most people, most people's faith follows their circumstances. And a lot of times those circumstances are not Good. Why would our faith and our words and our attitude and our demeanor follow negative stuff when that negative stuff can turn around and start coming for good and following our faith? I um, There's a scripture in Joel 1.12, the book of Joel. It says in the book of Joel 1.12 that all their businesses, their pomegranate trees, their fruit trees, their vines... All of their businesses in Joel 1.12 were drying up. Why? Somebody tell me why. Why do things sometimes in the natural not go well? Somebody tell me. Because their attitude got off. Attitude is a spiritual force. It attracts or repels other spiritual forces, good or bad. And it says here that all their businesses started drying up because something else already dried up in them. Because joy is withered from the sons of men. Man, when I read that one time, I thought, wait a second. If joy withers away and it affects my business, 
then being joyful will also affect my business. And I realize this, guys. Joy is not just something that you, that is, it's not just some response in your life when things go well. Joy is a producer. Come on, let me tell you, Proverbs 17, 22. A happy heart makes a healthy body. The Bible. Ever read the B-I-B-L-E? Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart maketh, doeth good like a medicine. That's powerful. L- listen to this, guys. I know I said I was closing, but I lied. Forgive me. Um, let me just read this to you real quick here. Proverbs 14.30, today's living Bible. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Everybody say, relax. The devil wants you stressed. He wants you freaking out. We say, ha, ha, ha. Zechariah 7.7, today's Living Bible, says this. Long years ago, when Jerusalem was prosperous and her southern suburbs out along the plain were filled with people, the prophets warned them that this attitude would surely lead to ruin. And it has. What led to their ruin? Their attitude. Numbers 14.24, today's Living Bible. But because my servant Caleb has a different attitude and has remained loyal to me, God said, I'll bring him into the promised land which he explored and his descendants will possess the land. Everybody say attitude. Attitude. What would happen if we maintained a I believe God, it's going to be even as it was told me, attitude for one week. Like I said, I, I told you I'd confess my faults. I haven't even got to one day yet. Now, I'm not just talking about not being negative. I'm talking about being in faith. Because just not being and being even killed, that's still not faith. We got to believe our prayers were answered. We got to believe our quoting the scriptures is working. We got to believe God didn't lie. He said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's the way it is. So here's what I say. Be happy like you got it. And you'll get it. Shake hands like you got it. And you'll get it. You ever hear dress for the job you want, not just for the one you have? You got to step into these things by faith before things start changing out here. Right? Take a shower like you got it. And you'll get it. I mean, you might be whistling if you really had that promise already, right? You need to ask yourself, what kind of an attitude is an attitude of faith? Find that niche, get in there, and like a bulldog, grab down on it and declare, you know what? I believe God. Okay, now here's the clincher. Maintain that attitude of faith, like, God, your word's true. He never said there'd be no problems or battles. He just said you'd always win. 2 Corinthians 2.14. So just no matter what happens. Now, if you slip, I've slipped a lot. I'm not going to get condemned about it. I'm just going to get back up and say, it ain't over yet. Let's, Let's do our best no matter what happens for one whole week. Let's have an attitude like, we already got the victory. Things changing. God didn't lie. 
His mercy endures forever. Hmm? And when the devil comes to you and says, yeah, you, 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 you're not going to get anything because you blew it and you messed up here. Tell the devil, you know what? He forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. So that won't work on me either. Might as well just declare, you know what, God? You're so good, I'm going to be happy all day long. Giants come and threats come and this comes and lawsuits and all this. If all this stuff comes, just go, you know what? My father's greater than all. <laughs> he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. So I ain't walking away from him by getting into worry because that wouldn't be him not helping you. That'd be you walking away from victory. I'm just going to believe God. <laughs> Some spouses right now are going, oh God, please help my spouse to get this. Please help them to get this. Please help them to get this. Ho, ho, ho. Stand up, church. 